Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, October the 6th, 2022, and today we are reading from the big book. We're continuing our study in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, page 33, the first paragraph. This case contains a powerful lesson. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Marge E, 12 Traditions, Sarah M, and readers of the text, Chris M, Martha Z, and Reva P. The reference numbers for Wednesday, October the 5th, 7 a.m., 19481, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 19482. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Lynn, star one, please. You're muted. Hi there. Can you hear me now? Yes. Where do I have to go back to? Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery to the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is Margie um, from Massachusetts. Uh, Recovered compulsive overeater, but certainly not cured. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and moral, fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Marge E. And Sarah M. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Sarah. Good morning. This is Sarah M., compulsive overeater. By the grace of God, I go. Our 12 traditions. Our, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Bye. Thank you, Sarah M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter more about alcoholism page 33, the first paragraph. And Chris M., could you get us started, please? 
Uh, thanks, Lynn. Uh, thanks for your service. This is Chris M., a compulsive overeater from Ontario, Canada. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could therefore drink normally. But here's a man who at 55 years old found he was just where he left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in short time, in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Wow, um, what a paragraph. So, you know, the first line, obviously, this contains a powerful lesson, really stood out. And, um, you know, it reminds me of all the times before I even realized that I was a compulsive overeater or an addict um, that I could, you know, I thought that I could control my compulsive eating um, and go for long periods without, you know, um, eating my um, my troubled alcoholic foods and, uh, you know, every time thought that uh, I had figured it out and there was a solution and, you know, I was going to stay happy and, you know, free of the um, the compulsion. But the truth is, is that never happened and eventually I had no other choice and was desperate enough to come to these rooms and actually realize that I was an addict, um, no different than close relatives to me that were um, also addicts with different substances. Uh, and that was very humbling, but also such a blessing because once I had um, no reservation of any kind, no lurking notion that someday I would be immune to to my alcoholic foods, to the disease, then I was ready to um, do what I needed to do and surrender, surrender to my higher power, surrender to working the steps. And then, you know, I've learned acceptance and I've learned to just have... Um, surrender to my higher power every day, all throughout the day, seek that direction, um, and just resist uh, self-will. And I can only do that that with the support of my higher higher power um, because I'm always forever going to be a compulsive overeater, recovered or not. I'm never going to be immune to my alcoholic foods. Um, so thank you so much for allowing me to do service and thank you everybody else. Uh, thank you Lynn and everybody else on Team Thursday. And with that I pass. Thank you. We can't hear you.
Lynn, you are muted. Please star one. Moderator, it appears we may have lost Lynn temporarily. Are you able to resume until she comes back? Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. Okay, all righty. Can everybody please say their name just once? It helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Ian Marie Kay. Rick J. Donna G. Let me tell you who I did here, please, and then you can let me know who I missed. Anne-Marie K., Rick J., Donna G., Jen A., and Christina L. Did I miss anybody? What page are we on? We're on page 33, the first paragraph. Okay, thank you. Did I miss anybody? All right, let's start with that lineup. Anne Marie Kay, can you start us off, please? Followed by Rick J. Good morning, everybody. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. I'm Anne Marie Kay. I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm grateful to be here and be recovered today. Um, I just want to thank everybody for doing service and especially for. I'd like to piggyback a little bit on what the wonderful share we just had because uh, at 69, it took me a long time to surrender and accept the fact that I'm an alcoholic. Like not that I'm a compulsive reader, just like the alcoholics in my family had problems with alcohol. It's such a relief today to know I'm not someone that just can't do something. It's just because I have a disease. I finally understand that. I am so grateful after years and years of trying everything I thought I had to try to stop this compulsion, this terrible compulsion. And to finally understand it's not the food, it's what's up in my head. I am so grateful for this. I am so grateful to finally get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, too, and listen to you all share my story. I'm no longer alive. But to be honest, Okay, but the biggest gift each day since I've gone the steps and now I sponsor is the understanding that I'm not alone and that my spiritual life now, all the years I used to think, oh, I'm spiritual, I'm a spiritual person. I had no idea what spirituality meant. I had so confused because I never learned as a child what boundaries were or just how to live my life on life's terms. And that's nobody's fault. It's just a, it was just a product of my life. I have a program today, and I'm so grateful for it. And there, I find as you stay goes by, I don't have to be scared or live in fear or anxiety because I have numbers to call. I have people to talk to. I have meetings to go to. And it's what keeps me free and joyous on this path this journey that I've met with you all. Thank you all for being here. I'm going to pass. Just be so grateful for another day of recovery. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie Kay. Rick J., it's your turn, followed by Donna G. Good morning, Rick. Uh, Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for your service. My name is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. I'm 
Yeah, this this case does contain a powerful lesson, um, one that uh, has smacked me down, uh, you know, for 20 years. I've I'm coming up on uh, three years of total abstinence, and it's taken me 23 years, <laughs> more than 23 years to get through three years, because, um, you know, I even coming to OA meetings, you know, I I had a belief that you know if I stayed without food, you know and was stayed on my diet and went to OA meetings, um, you know, that that was enough. And I could, not that I would even eat normally, but that I didn't need to continue to do the things that I needed to do. Um, I have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. You know, I have the mind of a chronic compulsive overeater. And, um, as Janice said the other day, you know, the, the pickle fairy visited and, and, you know, and I'll never go back to being a, a cucumber. I, I am forever altered. The chemistry in my body is forever altered. I can no longer say, um, safely eat certain foods or ingredients or volumes. You know, it's, it's my mind that tells me it's okay to do that. That's the mind of a chronic compulsive overeater that it's a parasite that lives in my mind. It's the mental twist, but I see it as a parasite. It's living there and it's always growing. And any time that I feed that parasite, it explodes and it attacks even more violently than before because it's always growing. And this parasite has some really cool tricks for one thing it mimics me and it sounds just like me so it will tell me that hey you know what it's okay that you eat this even though you've never safely eaten it before it's okay now it will block aggressively block any painful memory of whatever my eating has brought me to whatever level of pain it has brought me to it will aggressively block that. It's the ultimate eraser. So it's growing. Now, the beautiful part about this is that I have a power within me that's always there, and it's always growing as long as I'm feeding my higher power, literally and figuratively. So the strength of that power within me, that connection, is the only thing that's going to counter that mind, that thinking, that parasite that is telling me that it's okay now. I've got a connection with a higher power. It's a daily reprieve. But I never forget, never forget that I have a parasite in me. I didn't ask for this, but it's there. And I aggressively treat my disease Time by aggressively is. connecting to my higher power on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Donna G, it's your turn, followed by Jen A. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, and thank you so much for your faithful service. Uh, This is Donna G, recovered in Pennsylvania. Uh, So glad to be sharing this morning on this paragraph. Um, What came to me when I heard, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, (laughs) was um, my motivation, my biggest motivation, um, which we all have different motivations, right? But what brought me to OA was another disease that I was blessed with from my higher power, 
um, so good to hear myself say that. I love saying that because um, I didn't. I didn't do. I, I hear a lot of came for the vanity, stay for the sanity. I didn't come for the vanity. I really did not. The, maybe a tiny little piece of me, but for the most part, I did not care what I looked like. And I know that's an unusual um, uh, place to be for anybody, especially I would say in our culture, females, but for anybody. And I really didn't care. And so my higher power knew, hey, this is a tough cookie. I'm going to have to get another way. And he blessed me with the disease of diabetes. Um, And it scared me. And I didn't want to die. And I thought, um, and my doctor, you know, gave me the hope that I could kick the diabetes. I could get rid of it. Um, I lost a ton of weight, got to a normal body weight. And she kept cheering me on the whole way and encouraging me. And that's, you know, my higher power. Obviously, once I was recovered, helped me a great did did most of the work, but, you know, I kept on with the steps because this is working and I've got to get rid of diabetes, you know. It hasn't gone away. And I feel so blessed for that reason because when I eat my allergic food, my body feels like such crap. I cannot function. I cannot, you know, I, I, I can't function in the world. So my higher power, as I see it, has me right where he wants me. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And that's just, that's my story. I know it's not everyone. I, I pray no one ever has to get to that point, but for me, that's what it took. And, um, I'm appreciative for it because it would never have happened otherwise. And, um, you know, I tell people, I hear a lot of fellows, um, say, doesn't it bother you that you can never have, you know, ice cream again or never in your life. And I truly, I don't, No, no, I don't. First of all, I know what it does for my body. I know what it feels like. But secondly, I always say, and this is what helps me to kind of to not feel that way, is I always say I've had enough for three lifetimes, which I have. Like I've had my share. It's it's not my turn now for that stuff. It's somebody else's turn, but not mine. Um, I I've I've had enough of it, and um, and I don't need it. From and I can feel really confident about that, and not you know, not have that lurking notion that somehow I'll go back or somehow I don't, thank you. I, I don't want it today. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Donna G. Jen A., it's your turn, followed by Christina L. Please go ahead, Jen. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thanks for your service this morning. Um, this paragraph is a great reminder for me today Um, Seven years ago, I went into the hospital to have a procedure done, and um, this was just at the beginning of OA, so I was uh, still attempting on my own, um, and my willpower did fail me, like the man of 30. Um, Today, I'm so glad that I have a solution, these steps, and a God that's powerful enough to drive out any obsession in a hospital. Um, You know, that's where I was yesterday, having another procedure. And um, it was so different this time, you know, and the nurse says, what would you like, popsicles, apple juice, blah, blah. I'm like, my mom just looks at me and she goes, can she just get some plain rice? <laughs> and it was really cute. Like, can we just get some plain fruit? And, um, you know, I could pack my stuff and bring it along. I wasn't there for very long, but they usually have something that's, that's okay for me. I can find abstinent foods. And what really kills me is this lurking notion. What's the lurking notion for me? Well, it tells me in pages 23 to 43, where we're reading right now more about alcoholism. This lurking notion is an idea. 
It's my self-confidence. And guess where it's placed? In my mind. Scary. That's me. That's so scary to think that something is there in my mind, you know, just waiting, hiding in the darkness. It's that ruthless killer, my thoughts. Because once I start believing those thoughts, right, and I start saying, oh, I get attached to those thoughts. I start having preferences around them, thinking I can change them and manipulate them and control them. And then guess what happens? I believe them. And then I act out on them. And that's what gets me into trouble. Today I can say, I don't act out on my thoughts, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. What I do is I turn to a power greater than myself. You know, I wish I was normal. Normal is, is a function on my washing machine. I have come to believe that about myself. My boyfriend's a normie. My families are all normies. I am not. So I have to take this spiritual solution without any reservation or any lurking notion and say, you know what? That never will be the case for me. I will never, ever eat like this ever again in my life. And that's okay. And I'm okay today. And I feel great. And I say, thank you, God, when I roll out of my bed onto my knees this morning saying, thank you for delivering me from this obsession to eat. That's the miracle. I don't know how it was driven out, when or where, but for 48 years it haunted me. And today I can honestly say it doesn't. By the grace of God, one day at a time with these steps. Thanks, Lynn. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jenny. And Christina L., it's your turn. Welcome, Christina. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. This is Christina L., a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And ditto, ditto, ditto. Um, You know, one of the things that really came to my mind um, when reading this paragraph was, I, I don't have the book in front of me to, like, read it verbatim or anything, but it says we are this we left off the same as where we were at before and looking at my experiences I look at that and I don't know that I was ever the same before if anything I was always worse um and I have like two specific like really hardcore experiences that you know I'm drawing that information from And it was like my disease twisted and turned. It was like the boomerang that ripped me to shreds. That's in Bill's story. You know, it took everything that I had learned about myself, um, everything that I had learned and, and turned it around to use it to my benefit to get to that food. And like the previous um, share, like, you know, it all begins in my thoughts and the previous paragraphs that we read the last two days or paragraph we read the last two days you know it's so easy for me to identify out with that paragraph because that was not my experience like you know I didn't retire when I was 30 I didn't or work when I was I didn't give up alcohol or food when I was 30 I didn't retire when I was 59 I didn't put on my carpet slippers and or what a hat whatever and stuff but you know that doesn't mean that that does not relate to me. And I know that it does. Um, what I, what I realized though, is that the thoughts that come into my mind are so incredibly subtle um, that I can eat or I can drink or I can, you know, use a, uh, an ingredient that, you know, was on or is on my red light list and I can do it without any problem. And truth be told, that thought has been in my head like the last week or so. Um, So, and I know today that I just have to, 
one, I have to admit it, um, because in the past I would have tried to hide it from others, like not wanting people to think that um, whatever negative thoughts that my <laughs> very imaginative imagination will bring up. But, uh, you know, I just need to be honest about it because if I'm not being honest with myself or with anybody else, then I'm letting this disease take hold of me. And I don't want that today. You know, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And, you know, I still consider myself to be a newcomer in this program. So, um, well, perfect. (laughs) That's all I got to say. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Christina L. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we are continuing our study of the big book and the chapter more about alcoholism. Page 33, the first paragraph. This case contains a powerful lesson. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared on Tuesday or Wednesday, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Nessie Tom Ellen here. Okay, let me tell you who I heard because I know I missed somebody. I heard Nessa R. Carmela G. Who did I miss, please? Mary Lonnie. I heard Mary, and who else? Ilana P. Okay, this is who I have so far. Nessa R. Ilana P. Mary and Ilana P. Did I miss anybody? Kathy S. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with this lineup. Nessa R. followed by Carmela G. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning. Wishing for you. It's Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So lurking notions are a premeditated relapse. You know, I, 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 I was a faithful customer of the multi-billion dollar diet industry for decades. And I was brainwashed to believing concepts like, you know, once I'm at goal weight, I can go on a maintenance period and I can reintroduce foods that um, were next during the weight loss period, as long as I eat them in moderation. The problem is there's only like a handful of foods that I can eat in moderation, like I can eat raw mushrooms or raw spinach or raw garlic or raw onions in moderation. But, you know, cook, cook them. Oh, sorry, um, can you hear me? I can now, Nessa. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah, the voice, the voice came on. Um, you know, but once you cook, then the moderation goes out the window. I cannot even eat raw celery in moderation, let alone, you know, the usual suspect, um, you know, 
so I got to get rid of any lurking mo- notions or anything that keeps me um, tethered to, to the diet industry because that's exactly what happens. You know, these this maintenance and moderation concepts are just uh, a way to keep, me, to keep me in perpetual diet mode. Um, you know, I don't have to do that anymore, thank God, because I don't have any lurking notion of moderation or, um, you know, maintenance periods. It's for me, it's all or nothing, right? If I have it, I'm going to go for all of it. And if I don't have it uh, at all, I'm safe and protected. And this is where I've been for almost 11 years. You know, when people ask me if, if I wish I could have it, you know, this, that, or the other, I say, oh, yes, I wish I could be wearing burlap sacks instead of clothes. I wish that I could be winded just going half a flight of stairs. I wish that I, you know, can be shut in in my house because I'm too ashamed and embarrassed to, to be seen in public. Of course, I miss all that. And that's what I will get if I just put one tiny little morsel of the offending trigger foods, ingredients, etc., in my mouth. And I don't live that way anymore. I wear pretty clothes. I go everywhere. I'm happy to go everywhere. I like the way I look. Um, you know, but more importantly, I'm not pulled towards those foods because they're not mine. They're not for me. The obsession has been removed. I and that, that is the difference. Thank you. That's the difference between the, pro- the program of recovery and the dieting. You know, the dieting keeps us hooked to the dieting. Uh, the program of recovery keeps us safe and protected. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Carmela G., it's your turn, followed by Mary. Welcome, Carmela. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you, everyone on the line who's listening and sharing. Carmela G., gratefully recovered for this day, compulsive overeater. When I entered this program nine years ago, I thought, why do they say they're grateful? Who is grateful to be a compulsive overeater? But as I traveled the journey, I realized every day that I am grateful that I was gifted with this illness because it was through this illness that I found the solution. And the solution was not just the the food was the entrance into the to the solution. But the reality is life. I've learned to live life in this program. So now I understand at my very first meeting that I went to the first convention in Virginia Beach and I met a woman and she said to me, she was in program for many years and she said she told her doctor if she if she thought she was going to die tomorrow, would she go to a bakery shop and enjoy all of her red light foods? And she said Absolutely not. And that is the truth. Today, I am so grateful for the peace, the joy, and the feeling of well-being 
that this program, through my higher power, has given me to enjoy every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmela G. Mary, it's your turn, followed by Ilona P. And could we have the initial of your last name, please, Mary? Hi, good morning. My name is Mary M. I'm a compulsive overeater in Chicago. Uh, Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And thank you, everybody that that joined in and and shared. Um, People don't hit star one. We don't have a meeting. And I don't get to hear the solution. And then I don't get to hear people that relapse. And um, I don't want that for anybody. But uh, sometimes I just need to hear that. When I'm not spiritually fit, um, I think that um, that the solution is uh, is picking up the food. So I've seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Um, you know, I'm not in denial today. Uh, for most of my adult life, I um, my solution was uh, was to go to the plastic surgeon. I just kept on getting liposuction. Uh, seven times I I now would go to different doctors and think, well, that was the solution. I'd get it, this fat sucked out of me and then I'd eat again and I gained back the weight again plus. And, um, and so uh, coming into, thank God for vision. Um, I, I appreciate this meeting so much. I appreciate the big book um, that's, that's telling me the truth. It's an inside job. I cannot um, have these quick fixes, um, which I always thought was a solution. So um, working the steps and, um, you know, staying in contact with, um, with all you guys and, and uh, you know, telling me the truth. And that's what I really love about um, this program is that people tell me the truth. It's not what I want to hear. I'm hearing the truth. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody last week and, and was sharing about um, how I was afraid to get rid of all those big clothes that I have. Um, and, and she said, Mary, this is, this is one day at a time. All you have to do is do it today. And, um, and that was so relieving for me because, you know, I'm abstinent today. I, and, and, you know, I saw a nutritionist. I'm now working with a nutritionist, and um, I'm weighing and measuring my food. I incorporated these things that to eat that I didn't think that I was going to be able to ever eat again, and um, and not be so restricted. And and but know that um, you know I'm still abstinent, and um, and hopefully I'll never if I keep doing this, that I'll never have to be, you know, in that size again. And um, so I love this program. I'm so, so grateful for all you guys and all your help. And um, that's all I have. Thank you, Mary M. Ilona P., it's your turn, followed by Kathy S. Good morning, Ilona. Hi, this is Ilana P. Uh, from Maryland, uh, formerly Pittsburgh. Good morning, everyone, and thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, 
I really wanted to share on this paragraph because, well, like everyone else, we can relate, right? And for me, that means that there was a period where I actually had 10 years of back-to-back abstinence and, um, you know, working the steps and thought I was recovered. And just one little innocuous bite, what I thought was innocuous, led me back um, for three years. And I've been back almost a couple couple years. And um, I thought I could do it, right? I thought, oh, this little bit won't help me. And that idea for me is the one that has to be smashed. And I feel like I smash it every day when I work these steps, um, which is how I live my life now. I, um, I've worked through the steps uh, a number of times, never stop. When something comes up, um, if I can, I do, uh, if it's a short thing, I do a, a um, a verbal type inventory, but if it's bigger than that, I do a written inventory, even if it's sometimes two or three times a day. And I I, uh, I call someone and I give it away and I, I ask for my higher power's direction and I try to uh, stay in tune with that as best I can. Um, I know, I know, I am totally 100% convinced that if I even look too hard at a food or have too many food thoughts, that I can go back in an instant. And my life is a hundred times better than it was before. And I just, uh, I'm so grateful um, every day for these 12 steps, for this way of life, for my higher power and for all of you. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Ilana P. Kathy S., it's your turn. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks, Lynn. This is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. And, um, yeah, I am so grateful for this paragraph because, in my opinion, it really hones in on on the basics, you know, that I have a mental obsession that's gonna, that someday I can be immune to alcohol or food. And but also that I don't outgrow that physical allergy that once I pick up, I'm I'm doomed and I don't know when or if I'm coming back. So that sentence, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, this is really all I need to really remember. And the problem is, is that on any given day, I can forget it. And that's what scares me. But that's what working the steps does. I do have I have. work the steps in entire abstinence. I do a lot of 10 steps and, and I feel like God has restored me to sanity because even when I do have that thought, like, man, that ice cream looks good. I have a second thought that comes in and says, yeah, but that's not going to work out well. And, um, what I, what this paragraph really reminds me of is, is the fact of my gratitude for those who do come on the lines and share their experience of, of having this happen to them. You know, I've had, I'm coming up on two and a half years of experience of um, entire abstinence and recovery. And I'm very grateful for that, but you know, I can't let up on anything and can't ever assume that, that it's going to be okay. Um, When I first came back in, I did, I did surrender to that, to, to that and have no reservation 
But after some time of sobriety, you know, I'm feeling good. And I think I've got a handle on my spiritual life and on my emotions. And, and so when my daughter's eating ice cream, I'm like, oh, hmm, really? You know, really? And, you know, it just comes up. That's, that's this mental obsession. And, but if I, if I were to take just one tiny taste, it's over. And, and I have heard, you know, the, the trauma of the people who are clawing to get their way back. And, and I thank you for the courage that it takes to get on this line and share that because I need to hear that. You're saving my life. I cannot forget who I am. And that's why I come to these meetings because I need to hear this message every morning. And, and I need my fellows to share this with. I have to have that connection, that intimacy with people that get me and, and I call, you know, even if I can't name the emotion, I call people and I'm like, man, I'm having some food thoughts. And we talk, we get connected, we even reminisce about the, our, our, some of the laughable things we've done. And, and then it's over, the craving passes. And, and I'm just so grateful for all of it. And I'm thankful for you and the opportunity to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy S. Yes. We have time for two or three more shares. Who would like that time? Heidi B. New York. Beth V. from Pennsylvania. Dear F. Okay. I I heard Heidi B. and somebody V. Who was somebody V, please? This is Beth V. Beth. Okay. And there was one more name. Who was that? Dear F. I'm sorry, I don't get. I can't get your first name. Here, S H I R. S H I R. Great. We've got Heidi B, Beth B, and Sheer S. Please go ahead, Heidi. Thank you. This is Heidi B in New York, and um, yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Grateful to be recovered for today, and um, you know. If I have any lurking notion, I will never be able to concede to my innermost self. And um, I just need to be reminded of that on a daily basis because my, you know, as I've, I've heard said before, right, my ego regenerates overnight and um, I can wake up on any given day with a lurking notion, um, which, you know, is 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 what requires me to continue to do the work. Um, and I just wanted to share that. Thanks very much for letting me share. Thank you, Heidi B. Beth B., it's your turn. Good morning, Beth. Good morning. Thank you so much, moderator. Uh, I am Beth V. from Pennsylvania, gratefully recovered for today. Um, this uh, paragraph starts out with a word that I need to pay attention to, powerful. <clears throat> and also uh, says we've seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And because I have heard and I believe from people on this line who share about relapse and then going back to their old ways of eating after years of continuous abstinence, uh, this, the pattern of compulsive overeating reverts rapidly to the same loss of control. 
that happened in uh, in the beginning and happens every time again and again and um i need to take this program one day at a time and surrender again just for today i find that uh this program you know to remind myself i am a compulsive eater today tomorrow will not be any different my uh my co my co compulsive overeating my disease lives in me now and forever and i i i have access to a power greater than myself now and because uh when i quit drinking when i when i quit thinking rather that i have the means to do this by myself when i give up that idea that my self will my resolve is going to is going to make this work and and bring in the higher power that's when i have a chance to stay abstinent today um i found in my life that taking things in small amounts i do things in small doses now it works best for me i find my how my higher power throughout the day and i find it uh if i work my program in in little bits all through the day in this 24 hours that keeps me abstinent um i take one meal at a time i take one action at a time and these little actions add up to a whole day of abstinence and another day of recovery and for this and all the things that i have learned in this program and on this line i am very grateful thank you so much and with that i will pass thank you beth b and sheer s will be our last share this morning good morning sheer good morning thank you lynn for your service and thank you all for the great shares um i heard something that really clicked with me because i'm always struggling to figure out um you know, the spiritual program has made my life so incredible. The fruits of that are just so beautiful. But I can't always connect it with the food. You know, it's like, okay, don't eat and work the steps. <laughs> and um, and I work the steps and everything's great, but I think, well, what does this have to do with the food? And then somebody said, the food is the doorway. And I suddenly got this image of how I have this great life that I've received as a gift through working the steps and connecting with all of you and that I came in through the doorway of the food. But if I leave through the doorway of the food, that doorway is going to close and I can't go back in and gradually all the remnants of what I've gained are going to slip away. And, um, you know, I've gradually gotten better and better abstinence. I've identified more and more trigger foods and getting rid of the last most recent ones has freed me so much from the obsessive food thoughts and cravings. The last thing to go is my compulsion to eat every last scrap that's on my food plan. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I'm not hungry at snack time, but I have a snack plan, so I'm entitled to it. And I'm, I have finally started to develop like the tiniest twig of willingness 
to let go of that last piece of compulsion. Um, I don't have any illusions that it's going to be quick and easy, but my life today through the steps is so far beyond my wildest dreams. I always thought that was, you know, a, just a cliche and whatever, but I can, I could never have imagined living this way without fear and just feeling so blessed every day, even on my worst days that I don't want to go back to how things were before. And so that tiny twig of willingness, I am really hoping will grow and that I'll be able to give up that last piece of compulsive eating. And I'm grateful to all of you because I know you are there to help me. So thank you. Thank you, Sheer S. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, October the 6th, is 19488. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much. This is Martha Z. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God and so grateful to be with all of you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will, sh- and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.